0: Hello and welcome to Dialogue, the DiaPoint podcast. I'm your host, Pam Durant. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dialogue, the DiaPoint podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Dr. Sana Kumar, who joined AstraZeneca in 2014, where she is the Medical Affairs Manager for Infectious Disease and Patient Centricity. She attended medical school at the Aligarh Muslim University. After which she completed her master's in healthcare management at Jamia Hamdard in New Delhi, India. Then she went on to practice medicine for five years before her first role in the pharmaceutical industry. In her current role, she is a subject matter expert for infectious disease and patient centricity. She is passionate about co creating solutions with patients at AstraZeneca and ensuring that the patient voice is represented in all therapy areas. She's currently invested in developing the app HealthGate, which is a healthcare ecosystem enabled on your phone in the form of an app. This app is for you if you're looking for helpful tools and tips to lead a better life or just manage your condition in a more simplified way. Please help me welcome Sana to the program. Sana, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We're really happy to have you here. And I know we have a lot to talk about, so let's just jump right in. Um, I've read your bio, but I think it's always good to hear a person's story. So why don't you tell us um, a little bit about your background and how you got into healthcare? What took you on this journey?
1: Sure. Thank you so much, Pamela, for having me. Uh, I'm Dr. Sana Kumar. I am the Medical Affairs um, Lead for Vaccine and Immune Therapy at AstraZeneca. I'm also the Patient Centricity Manager. Um, so as a, as a background, I am a physician and I originally belonged to New Delhi, India, and I think I found my way into pharmaceuticals really accidentally. Um, you know, I was in Dubai and I, I was actually just dropping my resumes and I just had that, you know, luckily I was called in for an operations job and, uh, I slowly made my way back into medical affairs because that's truly where my heart was. Um, I think, um, uh, Both ways, as a physician, as well as now in my current role, I think it's a very um, different and a very rewarding experience. And there is so much that you can potentially do when we are looking at the way pharmaceuticals operate uh, in, in terms of bringing newer options and solutions for patients. And now it's not limited only to medications, but also like digital solutions. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Great. Wonderful. And what is it about medical affairs that you really enjoy? Oh. Maybe I think one thing is that you know you as in the medical profession you see people at their maybe most vulnerable, and the kind of support that you can extend and the the sense of responsibility you feel in that role is it's really huge, right? And the reward or the 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 feeling of fulfillment if you have helped someone actually when they are dealing with something which is difficult is I think it's in- incomparable. So that for me is like one of the best, you know, high points in my life. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, one time, so when
0: I was working in the the corporate world and my background was always healthcare and one of the guys in HR came to me and he said, what is the deal about healthcare? Like, you know, and it's not that we, you know, I never even thought about why is he asking me that? And we don't, people in healthcare don't walk around, you know, really with any different feelings about the importance of of their job. But to some extent you do, because when you're changing someone's life, or like you said, helping them at their most vulnerable, it's, it's quite a rewarding thing. And it's not that you know, the healthcare sector and profession is better than anyone else. But I think, you know, these two areas in life, healthcare and education, you can really impact a life in a very big way even the smallest thing can exponentially impact somebody's life. So so I think you're spot on. And when you were younger, did you always think that you would go into healthcare, Or you said you kind of found it, it found you by accident. I
1: found myself in pharmaceutical by accident. So um, if, if I talk about uh, a hereditary profession, you're all a family of doctors. It was kind of ordained for me that, of course, I'm going to be a physician. And I previously, I was working in the ER for around four years. And that is where you see like a plethora of different kinds of conditions that come to you. You have burns, you have uh, heart attacks, you have infectious disease, you have um, different kind of episodes, which may be dealing with psychiatry. So you really get a hands-on experience of meeting all kinds of people, their families, and then trying to see, you know, like, so you really try to like at that ER when I was there, I never had enough time to reflect, you know, what the, the person's journey was before this particular incident. When I did make my move to pharma and earlier I was working in cardiovascular, renal metabolic. So I really got involved in trying to understand what goes behind, you know, us developing these kind of diseases, which are like long, chronic and lingering. Um, so I, I think it's very interesting. And yeah, pharmaceutical was initially not at all something that I would have considered. And once I did enter the role first as an operations associate and now, of course, into medical affairs, I, I think I'm addicted to the job because um, the way we are like moving towards, like, be it in terms of the you know clinical evidence generation or medication or the education element that we have for patients and for physicians. And now people know so much more and they want to know much more, right? So really being able to partner with them and give them that information firsthand is really exciting. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. I love where medicine and healthcare has gone and that it really empowers people to take control of their health in so many ways or they didn't have enough information to do before. It really elevates the discussion with with doctors, the expectations and you know just the the outcomes as well. So Let's get into a little bit about. I know you're here to talk about the HealthGate app today. And before we start talking about the app itself, tell us a little bit about the
1: journey of creating this app. Absolutely. So I think the idea really um, came across, like, I think in 2018, uh, where AstraZeneca was looking at potentially partnering with new startups. So uh, the, the bigger picture or the vision really is to try and work with different startup companies who are coming up with really smart solutions. So you have like a huge amount of work and research being done into diagnostics, which you can do from the comfort of your home by scanning it on your phone. And somehow we want to marry those elements with having an application which is in your hands. And of course, you have all of this data. Data on your health, which we have sitting in the hospital information systems or in our smart devices, so we really wanted to be able to bring all of that together in one place. So that was the decision that okay, fine, and we need to of course have, um, you know, a, a, a voice to reach out to the patients. So that was the conceptualization of the application. So we started working with a company called gendius um, who basically deal with type 2 diabetes as a starting point. But of course, the application does cover uh, many other different disease areas, both acute and chronic. Um, and what we were really trying to look at is, so the this particular startup, Gendis, had um, an algorithm or a risk. Um, I wouldn't say calculator, but it helps you identify your risk, really, once you put in your parameters. So we partnered with them in creating an application, uh, which is, a little more holistic because what we were wanting to do was localize the information that you get to read. So we wanted to give them a credible source of information. So we created that content that sort of goes, you know, like with, from the local physicians of the area and have that risk calculator as well. And what it also does, which is very unique is it gives you real-time contact with your physician. So what happens is we have the application downloaded on our phones as people or patients, And the physician is able to also track my parameters on his dashboard on any laptop. So if I've missed a dose or if my blood pressure was high on a particular day, if I have been missing to record my glucose readings, or if it has been high, he would be able to track that and basically trigger me to come back to the clinic so that I do adhere to my treatment. Because like with any chronic disease condition, one of the reasons for, um, you know, why it's so stressful in managing them is just, because it's hard it's it's um it's usually polypharmacy you have so many drugs to take together um and it's really about behavior modification more than anything else um and uh, changing behavior is really hard so i think all the support that we can get even through our devices and tools is really you know, you know imperative agreed yes
0: changing behavior is very hard i was just having this discussion with someone yesterday because as a coach you know, if we need to to change, whether it's type one, type two diabetes, or whatever kind of diabetes it is, setting a new routine, getting used to it, and and what motivates you, it is so important how you're motivated, it has to come from your heart, it's not just like, hey, achieve this goal, like you, you really need mm-hmm. a lot of support sometimes um, to find the motivation to do some things. And when you talk about risk calculator, is that a risk calculator for diabetes?
1: Yeah. So you basically, it looks at all of the parameters that would sort of segment you like, okay, you need to like take action. You need to go and see your physician. So um, diabetes is, you know, if you talk about symptoms, unless somebody has had like a hypoglycemic episode, it's usually you don't really, you're not able to really say that you have type two diabetes in particular. But so, and that's why it becomes even more dangerous, right? It's like a silent threat that always lives with you. So what we've done is you have like parameters, uh, especially as you know, we go towards middle and older age, uh, blood pressure, blood glucose, these are things that need to be modulated at a certain level. So all of these go into sort of segmenting you that, okay, you know, these parameters are not in control, you need to go and see your physician take action now, or just even putting in that reminder that every three months, you basically do need to see your endocrinologist or internal medicine physician or GP, however it may be. Um, So this is what it basically does, it takes in all of these parameters and gives you like a sort of summary and an overview of everything on how your health is being managed in the current situation.
0: Okay, great. So, so it's the parameters that are coming from the doctor or from the laboratory.
1: <laughs> these are parameters, actually, <laughs> these are parameters actually that are coming from the patient. So okay. it could be my smart devices. It So my activity level, my blood glucose is something that I would be recording. So it, it is either manually input, or it could be something that buffers to the Bluetooth. It could be a smart weighing machine, which tells you your weight and sort of buffers mm-hmm. that into the cloud, or it would be something that I put in manually. It it basically depends whatever is easy like for my parents i'm sure that they trust manual entries they still don't trust the bluetooth um for us of course we're like <laughs> we're different That's cute. yeah <laughs> they, they don't trust wifi and bluetooth yes so uh yeah and, and same for the blood pressure apparatus as well
0: yeah okay very good understood so how can i find the app does the would my physician tell me or Could I go to my physician and say, hey, this is really cool. I want to use this.
1: Sure. So the app is free. Uh, It is there both in English and Arabic because we really wanted to have a one place for everything. So even for diabetes, I think there is so much of information out there, right? Um, Like on the perfect meal plan, on your level of activity, on your risk calculation. But I think what we're really trying to do is put everything together in one place. And connecting it with your physician. So, for me being able to book my test, for me being able to see my doctor, I do all of that to one app. So, it's there on the Play Store and uh, the App Store. Um, and of course, it's free to download. And uh, what would make it a really unique and special relationship would be if your physician asks you to download the application. So, what then happens is that they have a code. So, it's an encrypted, you know, uh, environment that's inside the application where only both of them the patient and the physician are connected whereby he through that unique code is able to track the parameters of the patient so he's able to go back to the patient and say yes but you know there was a dip over here or you were not tracking your health really well over there so uh that's the way it works okay and in in this kind of
0: fast-paced world with so many things changing How do you find that is affecting how people manage their diabetes or how even doctors are able to support their patients who might have diabetes?
1: I think uh, people need a lot of motivation to be uh, able to be on top of managing their type 2 diabetes just because it's such a lingering and chronic condition and most days you would feel really fine, right? Um, And then I think if you add a pandemic onto that, um, for the past almost three years. I think that sort of took like the front seat and everything else came later. But it also, I think, did, it worked in two ways. So I think there was people going lesser uh, frequently to their physicians. But at the same time, there was also a lot of education which was being done that if you do have comorbidities, get vaccinated and you became eligible, you know, according to a certain category. One of those categories, of course, is the conditions that come with uncontrolled type 2 diabetes, like cardiovascular diseases. So I think that um, information did sort of percolate into the people. So it did work in trying to create that awareness. But however, I think we were also limited in the way we were living during the pandemic that maybe people did not go as frequently as planned to their physicians, which did definitely affect, you know, the treatment of other conditions which are not like acute and infectious.
0: This is so true. And my head, you know, the emoji with the head exploding, that's me on any given day where I'm checking the Google, Google, notifications. I have some for diabetes and a few other things that I follow to follow the news and, you know, stay up to date with what's happening almost every single day. There's at least one or two articles where it talks about COVID caused diabetes Maybe not necessarily true because depending on how they're looking at the data, what they're looking at in the studies are coming out saying, well, no, not really, because exactly what you said happened. People didn't really go to the doctor, you know, and also with type two, my theory, which I've not studied scientifically, but I believe that we will see more diabetes because people staying at home, streaming. You know, eating, not getting out and moving around as much, I think, had this kind of ripple effect on everything as well. That's something that needs to be looked at. So, every other day there's a headline that says COVID caused diabetes. But back to your point, maybe not necessarily true. I completely agree with that. It's mind boggling.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: And you mentioned so the app doctors are using it, people with diabetes are using it. But what if I'm a caretaker of someone with diabetes? What if say my parents had diabetes, and I can follow it that way? Um, is the app able to support type one and caretakers um, as well in that way?
1: Yeah, so I think that would be so we've just produced the app. And a part of the phase two enhancements that we want to do is really be able to connect Families and people together, people in general with this uh, similar condition, so that they can share experiences and they don't have to, you know, wait for the actual waiting room to have that conversation, and also for uh, families. So we could, so I think we have beautiful examples uh, in the region of the DHA app where you're able to get vaccinated for your whole family and link it. So uh, we can do similar linking, which is a part of our phase two enhancement. Um, so as a daughter, maybe you would be able to track that your Father has not been able to take his medication or he forgot and you send him the reminder or you call him and basically say that, okay, I've been able to track you and it's not happening. Currently, this is not there, but the vision or the future is basically this. We need to be able to connect, uh, you know, the different uh, people, especially with diabetes. I think uh, family support is everything. So getting that, even in the digital space, and we know how how it is that most of, you know, as we become adults, we're not really living at home. So I think it also gives us like a peace of mind that, you know, we're able to track our parents in some way or the other. So, yeah,
0: yeah it, it
1: I think it's critical.
0: And I often say, mm-hmm. when one person in the family gets diabetes, the whole family gets it. Not yeah. that you have diabetes, but in order to be really empathetic and really understanding everything and you know maybe someone they may or may not um you know i just want everyone to know you know diabetes is not always the result of an unhealthy diet there's many reasons why diabetes happens but sometimes people might need to change their eating habits or even just count the carbohydrates that they're eating or do different things and when that happens you know the way the whole family is preparing food and and cooking and eating together it affects it affects everyone so i think everyone needs to be mindful of it. And that's great that, that you'll have that share function in the future. I think that's really critical. Um, I know some of the devices that are out there now that allow people to share their data, particularly the continuous glucose monitors, the CGMs, people love that. And they would not trade that for anything. It gives so many people peace of mind. People sleep better at night as a result of that, not necessarily the patient or the person with diabetes themselves, but the caretaker. Um, often sleeps better because they know that their loved one is safe. And now a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by the HealthGate app ecosystem. It is designed to be your everyday companion, providing you with the most relevant information and services based on your medical conditions, if any, interests and monitoring requirements. HealthGate is packed with powerful technology and also facilitates Generation of Real-World Evidence by the Utilization of Artificial Intelligence. You can download it now at your favorite app store. Now back to the show. Do yeah. you think, a little provocative here, but do you think that people, and it can be diabetes or any chronic condition really, or even if you don't have, do you think people are kind of apt out or tired of all the technology?
1: I don't um. I don't think at the moment, like we did sort of validate. So, I mean, we we sort of did test our app uh, with different people and patient groups and their families. And what I always hear from them is they're always so welcoming of something that would simplify their lives further. Are we going to stop using our phones? I don't think it's going to happen in the near future. I think I've been so dependent on my phone for the past three years. It's been my one friend. <laughs> so I personally think that No, I just feel that the app that we are trying to build, um, of course, it grows organically and it becomes more useful with time um, because there are so many. So it's not an app that AstraZeneca created alone. It's, uh, you know, with the help of onboarding the right partners from the region, both in the government as well as private sector. So I think as long as it can give you some value, uh, give you some uh, convenience in your life, it would be something that I, I think people would very, very much like to have and use.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Just sometimes I hear people are, they're apt out or they're, they're tired with the technology because diabetes is an all day, every day. It's relentless. It doesn't go away. You have to check it. Like you said, if you're ignoring it or you don't know that you have it, your blood sugar is running high. It can be quite dangerous for you. Um, that's, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. And sometimes we, we have some, um, you know, doctors and other healthcare providers that listen to the show. If they wanted to use the app for their patients,
1: how would they get in touch with you? You can simply contact uh, anyone from AstraZeneca, but I, I think the best point would be for them to download the application. So we do have a contact point that you know mentions us and we'd be happy to reach out to them and you know help them with the onboard process. It's basically just okay. that.
0: yeah. Great. That that link is in the um in the show notes. So they'll be you'll be able to find it there if you're listening and you see patients with diabetes um, and you had mentioned, I believe before that it also supports other
1: chronic conditions. Yes. So we are um, looking at um, asthma treatment. We are looking at the management of lung cancer. And of course, we will also be moving into looking at uh, heart failure and uh, chronic kidney disease. Um, oh, in okay. fact, we, yeah, we, we already do have um, Um, a quiz you know like a questionnaire because what you have tried to do is try to keep the app really dynamic so it's not just that you have videos and you know articles to read so we do have quizzes on there as well it helps you again stratify your risk and this is of course provided to us by the ISN which is the International Society of Nephrology so it helps you sort of try and understand if you do have any sort of kidney pathology going on and if you need to see your physician and I think again CKD is one of those things that Again, flies under the radar because it takes quite some time for you to actually develop symptoms that are bad enough for us to go and visit the physician. So I think everything that requires that information is already there. Okay. Yeah. So I think heart failure is another very interesting space because, though, you know, because one of the major complaints of heart failure is just fatigue and breathlessness. And for somebody who has been through a cardiac event, they sort of take that as the norm. Um, But that's what makes it even more dangerous. So we do have um, quizzes and uh, actually some interactive tools that help again, patients identify that maybe this is not normal.
0: Great. That's amazing. And I think there's, you know, I don't know a lot about the cancer space and kidney disease space, but I'm sure that there's room for support. And that's, that's amazing that the app will be that robust, that it can support other conditions as well. So that's really exciting. As it's Ramadan right now while we're recording this, and we know that fasting with diabetes can be challenging. People need to be looking at their, their blood sugars more often. They should have consulted with their physician before just to make sure things are going well and everything is safe um, for them to fast. How does your app then play a role with someone that might be fasting, or any other multicultural um, dynamics that that we we see in the UAE? Because we have how many? It's over like two hundred different nationalities here. Um, but let's start with Ramadan. What what kind of role
1: would HealthGate play for the person with diabetes that's fasting? I, I think Ramadan is very interesting for patients who do choose to fast because it. Deals with absolutely everything which is so intricate and important for them to manage their diabetes. So, their medications, the doses might be older, um, you know, so that the person does not go into hypoglycemia. So, that becomes really critical. So, uh, what we have tried to do is that we have featured uh, experts and physicians from the region who do give education on some very simple things that you know, would enable safe fasting, uh, which is firstly, please do see your physician like at least a month in advance of Ramadan so that, you know, preparedness is key. So we know exactly what the treatment regimen would look like. And then, of course, comes the really, really important part about knowing what to eat when you know, you're know you fasting. Again, uh, we have partnered with Right Bite, which helps us in coming up with different recipes uh, where they make very simple meal, um, not meal, but ingredient substitutions. But at the same time, what they're doing is the food that we're used to culturally. We're making the same food, so it's not, you know, per se diet food. So you're making the same food with the same taste and flavor, but you are replacing it with smarter ingredients. So uh, that is something, the two key areas on how we intend to support our patients uh, through Ramadan. Um, But of course, uh, I think, um, you know, it is a very critical time. So I always, you know, it's, it's advice that I basically give at home to my parents that, you know, we, I take them, they insist on fasting and I respect that. So I always do take them to the physician at least a month prior, set expectations, destock everything which is harmful in the fridge so that, you know, we can proper iftar. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that. And we also always say the same thing. I, myself, not fasting, um but we always start speaking with physicians um weeks before Ramadan actually one of our earlier podcasts um we we talk about Ramadan um so that people can even know what questions to ask their physician um sometimes you know it's not really clear if you've had a change in medication an increase in medication um if you notice your blood sugar, sugar change before ramadan you know that can kind of have this ripple effect when you start fasting and one thing that i i love the phrase that you used for cooking to use like smart ingredients i think that i love that phrase i might borrow that sometimes <laughs> <laughs> because cooking is one thing and everybody loves food everyone has to eat to to stay alive and thrive but if we if we're using smart ingredients, like in coaching, we set smart goals, and that's an acronym for you know specific, measurable, um, et cetera, and all of that. But smarter ingredients, meaning those that aren't necessarily going to spike our blood sugar, they might be lower in carb, they might have more fiber, they might have more you know nutrients that you need. I just really really like that, and I think you know outside of all the technology, this is something analog. That we all need to be doing, whether you have diabetes or not, we need to be really smart about the ingredients um, that we're putting in our food when we cook and also smart about what it is that we're, we're eating, not, you know, everything in moderation. But I, I love that um, that phrase that you used.
1: Yeah, and if you could add, you know, it's not, it's not, what I realized it's not always just about eating. It's also about just drinking water. And as we age, our thirst center goes down. We don't drink as much. And when you're fasting, of course, we take it's course, task- You're not going to drink water. And even mm-hmm. later, I have to actually convince my parents to drink water. <laughs> so yeah. one of the phase two enhancements that we do want to have is, you know how you have a water reminder app. We do want to sort of also integrate that into the application so that, you know, you have everything in one place. And that gives, you know, this automatic notification. And particularly as people age beyond 75, it becomes harder for them to like even remember that. That's true. A lot of, yeah, you'll find with
0: a lot of elderly people, I think Mm -hmm. um, this has even happened in my family. People fall really ill and sick, but the problem is they're just not drinking enough. They're getting like really dehydrated in a very like clinical sense. And that can be quite dangerous. They just forget to drink or whatever. So make sure you have your water bottle with you always. And if you're fasting, I believe the recommendation is depending on your age and male, female, but two to three liters of water per day is what I was recommended um, by a physician. If you're fasting that please correct me if, if I'm wrong, I'm not a physician, but um, water helps with blood sugars for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Flushing out sugars and things like this. And so within the app, I want to shift a little bit. You, you mentioned in the description of the app that it has artificial intelligence, AI. How is the AI supporting the, the app or, or the user, let's say? Because with the AI, we want to learn more about either ourselves or our diabetes um, as, as we use it. So, so how is the AI supporting someone in managing their diabetes in the app?
1: Yeah, I think there are two ways to look at this. Um so when we say artificial intelligence, so we have all this information floating in the cloud. Now, what we can do is anonymize all of this data. This is big data that is coming from the region. And what we can do is then analyze it. And what this gives is it sort of gives you a check uh, on the pulse of the country on that particular you know, disease area. So how good is the glucose control? How good is the blood pressure? What is the demographic of that population? So that's the bigger picture. Um, For me or for a person who's using the application, it sort of gives you like, um, you know, an overview or you have like a snapshot. So um, all of the reports that are basically you've been sinking in, it gives you an idea of your control uh, in a way. So, um, and again, this marries up to the uh, risk algorithm that we were sharing earlier. And it's different for every disease area. So, of course, it's being provided by Gendis. And I think we've been through that in detail on how it's helping you identify your risk for cardiovascular comorbidities. Um, It has something similar for every different disease area as well, uh, be it asthma, be it lung cancer, just to help you understand exactly when we need to trigger a response and we need to get help. So that really is the personalized goal for the AI that we have sort of embedded in the app.
0: Okay. So it's looking at it more at a macro level of all the data that you've collected. Okay. Very good. Just want to understand that because some people use AI in very different ways and Mm -hmm. it's become such a buzzword. And don't get me wrong. AI is amazing. There's a lot of apps and solutions I admire and they use AI. But one thing I noticed this year at Arab Health, AI was, was all the rage and what everyone was talking about and what everyone was focused on but i think it's important to understand how that's really enhancing our life and and the outcomes and you know it's not necessarily it's not this all big scary thing that that it's made out to be sometimes but it can be it can be quite helpful so i think it's just important to for the users and also the the medical teams as well to understand the role that ai is playing and it. if it's a macro or if it's more micro at the individual level because there are some Um, For example, some insulin pumps, they use AI down at the the user level. So then it becomes more intelligent as it understands your your blood sugar patterns and different things like this. So it can be quite intricate. Um, How have you found, okay, because, you know, you worked here and in India and how do you see the the medical industry here in terms of adapting to digital technologies um, like your app?
1: So I think um, the only consideration. So I, for firstly, if, if I just comment about the UAE in particular, maybe, and I think it's very much mirrored when we talk about KSA as well. Um, we have something called the Al husanaf app, right? It's it's such a smart, beautiful application. When you're in Abu Dhabi, it turns green if you're absolutely safe because you know, in the previous 14 days, you've been tested, you don't have COVID. Um, It tells you that you need to get tested. Like it is such a smart way of regulating and ensuring that people are safe. So that's one thing. The DHA has a wonderful app on on vaccination as well, where I was saying uh, previously that you can link your whole family members, get that appointment. and So I think the way uh, apps are being managed in the country is really good. And what I think the sensitivity really here is about just being able to manage the data in a respectful manner. So what are the, you know, the patient credentials that we as AstraZeneca would be responsible for? We do try to keep it at a bare minimum, you know, just like the seven basic things that basically help you set up a profile, because we do want to be able to uh, respect that space for people. So uh, we have the I think the data uh, exists with the government uh, bodies in a much more detailed manner. And depending on the regulations of the country, it can be either shared. So like in some countries, it's easier to be done, and basically we can create the application to basically sync with the government app data as well. So it really depends. The potential is huge. It can be done, and I think what that would then do is it would give you this one platform for having everything, which is even like sitting at the hospital information systems and it's being directly buffered to you with your real-time data, which is on the Healthgate app. So that would be the, I think, eventual goal and vision because I think for any app, to have the longevity and true success, we do need to partner with the governments of the region. You know?
0: Yeah, for, for sure. And they, they have special uh, rules and regulations about data and how it's used, which is really great that they're paying attention to it and it's just not going anywhere like that no one has any real um, transparency or any idea what's happening to their personal data. And I was actually pleasantly surprised also to learn a lot of people that I speak with that or a lot of clinics and other healthcare providers that use technology, their patients ask about it, which is fantastic. So that's not something that I expected um, when they told me that a few months ago. And they said, no, no, no. People ask like, where's my data? Who's owning it? Where is it stored? You know, particularly for share apps and things like this. So The user is very savvy, which is, which is wonderful. And I also do like the way that in the UAE um, they're so forward thinking and very quick to create, adopt and support technology. I mean, we really do. I mean, we have a museum of the future. How amazing is that? I've not, which I've not been yet. Have you been? No, I've just used
1: other apps to see it. Like I've just been looking. Oh, I haven't (laughs)
0: even done that yet. I, I saw there was kind of a, like a wait. You, you need to schedule. And it was quite far booked out and people, everyone's saying, oh, okay, when expo finishes, there might be fewer tourists like trying to go see it, but I'm sure it will be busy. But I think the fact that we have a museum of the future is, is really cool because it, it says a lot. And I think, you know, we're very forward thinking. I say we as a proud resident, <laughs> but um very forward thinking. And really, it's exciting to, to be working and living in a place that is forward-thinking and where apps like HealthGate can really add value and make a difference. So I think I've asked you all my questions. I don't know if there's anything that I've missed that you would like to share with me because I could talk about diabetes all day. Like, There's, there's so much to talk about, but if there's something else that you would like to share with us about HealthGate that, you know, we should be aware of that I've not touched on, please um, let me know.
1: Oh, no, I mean, I just want to like say, um, maybe just talk from my personal experience. um, As I conclude, like, I think I've worked, so I've studied medicine, and I've worked in diabetes. And I think that is, I think, more than 21 years, if I if I look at it, everything combined, knowing all of this, and just being so aware of all of this, But when I developed type two diabetes and when the symptoms were sneaking up on me, I just used to feel generally unwell and tired and I never figured out what went wrong. And so I think till I went and I got my diagnosis and then I had to really do a lot to try. And I I would never say reverse because it can always return. Um, But, you know, uh, potentially reverse the diabetes, at least temporarily, a lot had to be done really aggressively. And whatever support I could get was not enough. So. I mean, just reflecting on my personal experience, I feel that, um, you know, it is it is hard to understand, manage, engage, but it is very possible. And of course, you do need, um, it takes a village, I think, to like, you know, help you manage your condition just so that you have that support and you don't feel isolated in your condition and and don't feel limited or deprived. So uh, what we wanted to do with Healthgate is give that one sort of companion, a virtual companion that gives you everything, be it information or services. And we try to create um, a free and an affordable environment uh, for people who would like to use it. And of course, this is just the beginning uh, with all the enhancements that we talked about. All of these are features that we need to plug and play into the application as we move forward. So with that, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I wasn't aware that you
0: had type two diabetes. And I love that you talk about the word reverse because we see everywhere, social media, people like, oh, it's so easy to reverse your diabetes, but this isn't like a reversible thing. And the reasons people get it, like I said, it's not necessarily food. It's not always lifestyle. There's many different reasons why our pancreas, pancreas, pancreases, our pancreas, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pancreas, the plural yeah. word. Pancreas, pancreas. Oh. One singular pancreas. There's many reasons why they may misbehave. Like, yes, all of us only have one, but I'm talking about the population of pancreas as a whole. um They they might behave for misbehave for different reasons, and no two people are alike. And I love that you you know talk about the the challenges, but also found a way to support people to make this easier and it's so much easier when there's somebody that understands the condition behind the 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 solution or the app that you're offering because then you have empathy toward the real process and what the real challenges were rather than just saying hey here's here's my app and use it Um, but because you have special insight into it then that probably makes it that much that much better so thank you so much for sharing your story with us, um, telling us more about HealthGate. It's very exciting. I'm sure um, people might have a lot of questions. If you do, please feel free to reach out um, and I can pass on your questions or in the show notes, um, you'll find information about the app and, and um, other, other contact information. Thank you so much for joining us today. And hopefully I'll see you again soon. Sure. Thank you. Thank you.